0: Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here as the Bucks are a few days away, as we spoke about yesterday, from restarting the season against the Celtics on Friday night. Uh, I do have a very special guest with me today, 11 year NBA vet, someone that's very familiar with Bucks fans and I would say all sports fans in Wisconsin. And perhaps I'm even more excited about this because now we have completed the Fox Sports Wisconsin Quartet. We've had Marcus, Jim, and Zora. And now we've got Steve Novak. Steve, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. I mean, I'm missing some hoops. And so I'm glad <laughs> to just be talking to you. And like you just mentioned, getting some hoops back going. So I'm very excited.
0: Yeah, I, I can't, uh, I can hardly explain how uh, happy I am from doing this podcast basically on a, on a daily basis throughout the last four months to now be able to talk about real games that have been happening. And probably no surprise to you or any of the listeners, I'm going to throw a lot of. Yana, shooting questions. Kyle, call the questions at you. Just the the general environment that these players are going through right now down in the bubble, from a player's perspective. But I want to start just with the team in general. We've seen three scrimmages here. We know the results really don't mean all that much, particularly for this Bucks team. Health almost is the is the number one priority. Have you had any major takeaways from watching this team over the last few games? Anything that stood out to you? Uh, Anything that may be surprised to you? Because uh, listen, four months. For these guys to not be on the court together, even in the, under normal off-season circumstances, is uh,
1: very, very strange. You're right. It is strange. I mean, I, uh, I can't think of one time in my you know 11-year career, at least playing in the league, that there was anything even close to a two, three, four-month hiatus like this. I mean, there's the summer and the off-season, but I mean, that's really a time where a lot of guys, it's the intensity almost ramps up. You're trying to improve. You're trying to get better. You're trying to get a new contract. So... This has been unique, and I would say, to be honest, that's probably the thing that's stood out to me the most. Just watching these the, the three exhibition games that have gone on, like you said, I don't think that there's, you know, any of them are of utmost importance and health, and just getting back in rhythm are clearly the most important things. But I would say, if there's anything I took away watching those three games, it was that these guys were not sitting around. There may have been a, a span of time where, you know, when. The world was kind of coming to an end and the league was stopping. That you know, guys had no choice but to shut it down for a while for the safety of everybody. But you can tell, um, that there's been a, a mental mindset with these guys. So I think for them to come out and to play is, I'm not going to say that they've been all stars in these last three exhibitions, but I would say you, you'd very much recognize that this team is very similar to the team we saw before the coronavirus shutdown. So I thought that's been very impressive. And you know, Giannis, I think, looks great. I love he said he didn't have a hoop during, you know, coronation, <laughs> and obviously came out now and said, yeah, right. If you, if you think I didn't have a hoop, you don't know me. So you got to love that. And I think that he likely was setting the tone with all those guys, making sure, you know, they were getting there working and, and had their, their hoop to get a little bit of work on it.
0: So I've been uh, kind of skeptical on this right from the start when players and it's happened all across the league. I mean, obviously we take notice of Giannis and Chris Milton saying that they haven't been uh, touching a ball or shooting, but I've been very skeptical about this. I've said, come on, these guys are pros. This is their life. This is what they do literally every single day Uh, for you as a player and keeping in mind that there was really strict rules around what teams could allow, what players were able to do. I think as Uh, Public figures—they probably feel the responsibility to be setting the right example as well. But when you heard players all around the league saying they weren't touching basketballs
1: at all, were you as skeptical
0: as I was about that?
1: You know, my guess would be that there were some that were like Giannis, that (laughs) are as competitive as he is, and they said they didn't have a hoop and they didn't touch a ball because they were trying to get a competitive advantage. And look, that's not cheating. I think if you can convince, you know. I don't know, maybe he's thinking about a LeBron James or another guy like a Kawhi. He's got a face and He wants to put that out there like, oh, yeah, I'm just I'm sitting around. And so, you know, he puts a little fake news out there in a kind of harmless way. Maybe there were some guys out there that honestly, when they found out Giannis was joking and he really did have access to a hoop, they were like, hold <laughs> on. You know what? I felt fine about the fact that I was kind of watching HGTV and I was hanging out. And now all of a sudden they found out it wasn't real and they're, they're kind of behind the eight ball. So I imagine there's guys on both sides that, you know, we're just kind of telling these white lies. But I imagine there were some that were thinking, you know what, Let's, I'm just going to take this time and relax. And if everybody else is doing it, I'll be fine. And, and now everybody's going to get a chance to see which, which, which <laughs> side of that you were on because the games are about to start back.
0: So what about the arena set up down there? Uh, I, I think we, we look at it from a broadcast perspective and and our a- entertainment, what we're used to, what we're used to hearing from fans and that sort of stuff. Uh, it's clearly very different. I will say that my first opinion was for... A small arena game or an arena game as as basketball is I think it's better suited than something like baseball but from a player's perspective if you try and and I don't know if you're, you're able to do this but you're able to sort of put yourself in the mind of these players how would you feel playing in this environment particularly coming into the postseason given what you've been used to in the past with the the fans and the home city and and really the feeling around Uh, the whole uh, town that you get I mean we saw that certainly with Milwaukee last
1: season what do you think the impact this has from a player's point of view no it's a big deal I mean it's been obviously widely discussed and talked about because it's important it's important if you're just a, a fan sitting at home on your couch and it's important if you're the guy playing the game and you're used to an environment that's you know you're either being cheered for and told you the best or being booed at but either way you you draw off of both of those things and now it's gone there's none of that noise you got a, you got your bench and the other bench and so look in basketball home court advantage is a is a huge thing it's a, it is a real thing in some sports it's like look the better team pretty much wins most of the time but in basketball I mean there are there are environments that are <laughs> really really tough to play in and there are places that pride themselves on being really hard to go get a win in, in certain buildings so there is no doubt even from a broadcaster's perspective, it was kind of intriguing to have the conversations with you know the guys that are, are calling the games like the Paskeys, and I had a conversation with Brian Anderson who's doing the national games, and he was saying, you know, I just I'm wondering when this is all coming together, where are we going to sit, or how loud are we going to be able to be if we if the yeah. guys shooting a free throw and they can hear you saying you know they got to get this guy the ball and they got to stop doing this and whatever and it's pretty much dead silent in the building you got to do a golf whisper which i think changes things up for the viewer and it's also you know just different than any guy sitting on the side calling it's ever had to something they've ever had to worry about so it's intriguing i think this the noise the environment just you know from everybody from the the common fan to the broadcaster to the players and so it will be different uh but i think that being said i think it it makes it a unique, special environment and year and championship. And so I think looking at it from that perspective, this can be a, a really, really special year if you know the Milwaukee Bucks can get this going the way they had it going all season and, and find a way to a ring. It could end up, I think, taking shape to be one of the most special championships of all time because of um, the environment that this is going to be played in.
0: So Steve Novak, the player, is uh, firing out the belt celebration to virtual fans. Is that what you're saying?
1: That's exactly what I'm saying. Even even virtually, not not as good, but if it's got to be, then uh, yes. In this this climate, people got to take what they can get
0: all right steve we're going to hear from a couple of our great sponsors of the show but first axios start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes axios today host nyla budu and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping our world and of course our friends at my bookie because sports are back baby i've been waiting for this day since march and now it's here i've only got one thing on my mind My Bookie. My Bookie is a home run, slam dunk, triple overtime, game winning shot, all wrapped into one. I love it. You love it. And that should be all you need to hear in order to start betting today. My Bookie has up to the minute odds on all your favorite teams. And with the start of Major League Baseball just around the corner, there's never been a better time to start playing. With My Bookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, they pay. Join today, and My Bookie will match your deposit 100%, plus they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. All you got to do is enter the promo code LOCKED when signing up. That's promo code LOCKED NBA, and they'll match your deposit 100% plus toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. Remember, at my bookie, the terms are simple you bet, you win, they pay. Okay, so shooting specifically, Kyle Corvin mentioned the other day that. And listen, he was coming off a a pretty damn good shooting night. He's looked pretty in pretty good touch since returning. He said that he feels that it's a shooter's gym. He likes that uh, it's it's a little bit smaller. It's a little bit dark in there. Now we'll see how this changes. I'm sure they're going to do a bunch of different things with those boards, uh, those video boards they have on the side of the court behind the basket. But uh, how do you feel about that? If you're in this situation, as you're watching this from a shooter's perspective, do you feel like that would be the case? What's the ideal shooting conditions? for a shooter like yourself?
1: No, you kind of just really hit the nail on the head. And by repeating what Kyle had said, kind of the smaller gyms and like you just mentioned, a little darker gyms. And I think what he probably means is basically the background of the behind the backboards is darker. And so I think smaller meaning if you've ever played basketball in a in a dome when you know, you're know you in college and you're in the NCAA tournament and you're going in the Elite Eight and the Sweet 16 games, that kind of thing, a lot of times the games are played in these domes where the, the fans are sitting there. But if you look from the court through the backboard, it's like an eternity. The The <laughs> wall is nowhere to be found. So you're kind of shooting at a ring floating there in the middle of space, which it, it's definitely more difficult, uh, I think, just of a, from a depth perception standpoint. And so obviously with no fans and a darker background and a wall kind of right behind you, you really can sense very specifically, how far away the hoop is, and I think for a guy who's shooting, you know, twenty-five, thirty footers, that matters as well as, you know, kind of the darkness. It's it's kind of funny. The perfect example of that is when you play at Staples Center and you play the Lakers. Hmm. They have they use stage lighting, so the court is brightly lit, and all the lights around the uh, on the fans are turned off. It's dark, so it's like they're on stage. But when the Clippers play at Staples Center, same building, just a different floor they put down they use a whole different set of lights. They don't share lights. And so it's much brighter on the fans behind the backboard when you play the Clippers. And so it's a completely different shooting environment in the same building with the same hoops with just a different court down and the lighting is the, is the difference. So I, I would expect that, like Kyle's kind of alluding to, that it's a good shooter's gym. It's almost like you're in a, you're in a high school gym, which I think all guys like, the, the feeling of softer rims and darker backgrounds and a kind of a more... Intimate feel, I think, always helps shooters.
0: So I listen. When I heard him say that, I did kind of laugh a little bit. I said, "I, I think Kyle Korver probably every single gym looks like a shooter's gym to him." But from a Bucks perspective, one guy that we do look at and we do wonder what the environment is going to affect is obviously Giannis, and particularly with the free throws. And after the first scrimmage, he said that that was actually the strangest thing for him when he went to the free throw line, and it was dead quiet. And he sort of actually realized, you know, away from the gameplay that, hey, this is kind of a weird situation I'm in. Over the last two games, and we've seen him fluctuate a little bit, so we're not uh, jumping to any conclusions here, but 23 for 28, 82% over the final two scrimmage games. And in general, through the season, his free throw percentage in October 55, December 64, and then February 69. So he was trending in the right direction. And with that, uh, we saw that he went to a, uh, a, a smaller pre-free throw routine, a shorter time, and he was going to around five dribbles. We've seen this fluctuate all over the place through his career. He's trying different things, sometimes within games. How important is the free throw routine to having success and, and consistency at the line? And As you've seen him chop and change and try different things along the way, uh, I guess how... how I don't have concern is the right word, but as a shooter, when you see that, are you saying that this is a guy searching for the right method? This is a guy trying to find confidence. What have you seen over the years with him at the free throw line?
1: No, you're right. You know, I think definitely he has, when you see him change his routine and you see him take a longer time and a shorter time, he is searching for, I think, what ends up just making him feel confident and allows him to make shots. And sometimes, look, if you're missing them, you're willing to try something crazy you know, maybe a 10 dribble routine to see if it works. Um, And I'm not surprised one bit that his routine is is shortening up because I don't (laughs) think when you're at the free throw line, extra time and extra thought is ever going to help you. I think an extended routine will never help you, in my opinion. Make a free throw will only hurt you. And the truth is, when you get up to that free throw line, the work, in my opinion, that you've put in and the repetitions that you put in before you got there are what are going to make it for you. Because if you get up there and start thinking and you're saying, oh, it's quiet or, oh, the wall's dark behind me or the rim is this or you're noticing things, I feel like you kind of already missed the shot. But if you've shot a million free throws a certain specific way and you get up there and you do in the game, it's really a muscle memory and a trust. And I always had in my mind that I basically earned the right to make that shot, meaning I had put the reps in, I had shot it that way a million times, And I was going to go up there and trust it. And if I didn't make it, I was going to live with it. But obviously, if you shoot enough, you start making more. And I think that um, the truth is, as Giannis shoots more and more and more free throws, he's going to find it's also a lot easier to have a short routine. Because taking 10 dribbles, if you're going to practice that in practice, you're only going to get up about 10 free throws per hour. (laughs) If you take one dribble, you can get a lot more reps up. So I I do. I think his routine will, will stay shorter. And I think he'll think less and he'll make more.
0: Yeah, it's been interesting. something that certainly a lot of people have observed and, and myself included when we see him at practice or, or after practice, shooting threes, shooting free throws. He, he doesn't go to that long routine. And he's spoken in the past about the fact that he was taking more time to uh, catch his breath and, and get his win back. Uh, we know the intensity of plays with. But it always did seem a little bit strange that you would have a different routine in, in practice potentially to what you would have in the game. That's, that kind of sounds a little
1: bit counterproductive. I, I think 100%. You know, and I, we got these little basketball camps going on right now, this week and the next two weeks. And one thing I always tell the kids is if you're shooting a shot the right way, you're getting better. And if you're not shooting it the right way, you're getting worse. And it, to me, it really is that simple. It's like if you're not shooting the shot you're going to shoot in the game in practice, then you're essentially just getting better at something that makes you worse. Don't shoot the wrong shot. Don't go at the wrong speed. Don't do it the wrong way because that's the muscle memory that you're creating. And so. You know, Kind of like you said, watching Giannis in practice maybe take one or two dribbles and shoot it, and then in the game take longer. I think that does. It, it matters. I think you've got to be doing the same thing. Basketball is, is a very – it can be a very uh, robotic game at times when, it's, when you're shooting a free throw, but at the same time, it's like you realize every single shot is different. So you have to have that, that – I think that um, familiarity with just the shots that you've shot in the past are going to be the same as the one you're about to shoot.
0: So the Kyle Korver acquisition, I think a lot of Bucks fans were really excited over the over last summer uh, when they signed him, hoping that there would be a, a really positive influence with him with guys like Giannis and Eric Bledsoe as well, who Bledsoe has actually admitted and sort of revealed that uh, Korver's been a pretty critical factor in his free throw percentage bumping up a little bit. It's always something that, that I'm curious about from a player's perspective. And you, and you would have been in this situation because you would have gone to different situations where guys would have been asking you for advice, asking your routines, what you've learned. Is this a real bump you can get uh, as a shooter from uh, taking advice from someone like Kyle Corver and what you can learn? Because it's always seemed to me that shooting, I mean, you can, look at it, you can look at 10 different guys and they
1: can be really good shooters, but they can all <laughs> shoot it a different way and have different routines. You're right. No, you're absolutely right. I you know, I do I think the greatest value that a guy like Kyle can bring to, you know, a guy like Bledsoe is look, Bledsoe is a an elite player. He's been shooting the ball the way he shoots it for a long time and he's been successful at every level. So he does it his way and he's been doing it for years. And so I think, you know, Kyle Corver's not stripping down Bledsoe's shot or anybody else on the on the team's shot. But Kyle is the guy that is out there making more shots than anybody in the history of the NBA just about or at least at a higher percentage and so his skill is clearly he knows exactly what it takes to get the ball to go in the hole every time and that's really been his job his whole career and so I think he can probably speak to these guys on a psychological level like hey when you miss a shot you've got to let it go or it's affecting your next shot you've got to move on if you're ever going to be a good shooter you got to just have a short memory. Or, look, you're taking way too long on your free throw to You know, speed it up. If you go a little quicker and think less, it might do you good. Or, you know, a guy's maybe shooting a lot of shots off the dribble. He might say, hey, I've found that over the years when I can get a nice rhythm, you know, catch and shoot versus off the dribble, I'm a higher percentage shooter. I think, you know, he is a guy that is paid to get the ball to go to put the orange thing in the orange thing. And uh, I think that a lot of guys have much bigger roles than that. I mean, you think about Eric Bledsoe. He's supposed to guard the best guard on the other team. He's supposed to run the team. He's supposed to score if he can. But he's also got to get other guys the ball. And so, you know, Kyle, I think, and guys like him often, I think, have clarity about what it takes to make shots and might be able to help those guys that truly are responsible for so much more, just kind of simplify shooting for a guy. And Kyle certainly, I mean, my God, I don't know if there's a better, better guy out there to do that.
0: Can you also have too many voices though? Because I've always wondered this, I mean, so many people, and I mean, we've spent the last 20 minutes talking about it, but so many people look at this and look at Giannis and Bledsoe and they're shooting and they try and, and try and pick apart what they think is going to be the problem. But one of the interesting things I heard Kyle Corva say was that over the years, he's learned that It's not necessarily going to someone and saying, I do this because I do that because everyone's different, but it can be, well, maybe try and avoid doing this. Or this is what not works for me. And it's about learning what hasn't worked for other people rather than trying to tell someone, copy me because it works for me. For
1: sure. Uh, There there definitely can be too many voices. um, And like you're saying, what works for one guy does not necessarily work for the next. I I, can think back to when I was in San Antonio and Worked with one of the most legendary shooting coaches, Chip England. who has been with the San Antonio Spurs for a very long time, and his work is renowned. Um, He wouldn't even talk to me. He was a good friend, but he wouldn't even talk to me about shooting because I was shooting the ball well. I had my routine. I was very much who I was as a shooter. And the last thing the the guy who was one of the greatest shooting coaches in the world was going to do was talk to me about shooting because I think he felt – the hell! If I'm going to say something at this point, you're making shots. But I've but I watched him work with Tiago Splitter on his free throw after practice every day. I watched him work with Kawhi Leonard on his jump shot, on his free throw after practice, and the improvements that he was able to make with them were incredible. So uh, I think you're right. I think there there certainly can be too many voices, and um, you know, to say that Chip England was going to give me the same advice as he gave Kawhi Leonard would be crazy. So um it really it really is individual shooting is and I think the things that are holding you back as a shooter are often individual too. you can have a guy who's really mentally strong but he's just not making shots and and vice versa um and for some reason somebody who's mentally weak he's making shots and then once he misses a few he can't get out of a rut so I I do I think that um you know having the right voices and, and Kyle is certainly that he's more than a player he's He's very much as close to a, a coach on that bench, I think, as you're going to find in the league right now.
0: So one last one on the shooting that I had, and this is always something that I've just been curious about myself. When you look at Giannis and his body shape and the fact that when he was drafted, he was 6'8", 6'9", then he grew to seven uh, feet tall, and every single year he's getting bigger and stronger, and his body just has continually transformed from the, the second we saw him work, walk in the door in Milwaukee. What do you remember? I mean, I don't know how old you were when you had your uh, massive uh, growth spurt, Steve. But I mean, this has to make it incredibly difficult as your body is changing at the rapid rate that Giannis has over the years. I, I've always wondered. I, it's I don't think that there's been so much talk about this, but it's always been to me. It seems like a difficult thing to be able to do and maintain form and and rhythm when your your body is constantly changing.
1: You know, uh, I can I can hardly honestly imagine for. Uh, Giannis, like you're saying, to, to come into the league and to still be growing, and then for his game to need to evolve the way uh, it, it needs in order for him to, keep, to be successful for the next 10 years. He's obviously got to you know, shoot, make more free throws. He's got to shoot the ball from the perimeter better. Uh, he's got to handle the ball as a guard more. And He's been a guy his entire life who has been able to get by the guy in front of him, and so shooting has never been of utmost importance. And it was vice versa for, you know, a lot of guys that are in the league, myself included. I couldn't get by a guy if my life depended on it, so I figured out how to shoot. And so Giannis is the opposite. He's just always been able to be so dominant by overpowering and by getting around guys. But even if he's, you know, able to be more athletic and stronger than guys for the next five years, the day will come where he will be able to extend his career by, I mean, who knows, seven to ten years because he can shoot the ball, and I think he's he's all over it already. I mean, the improvements that we've seen with him shooting the ball, I mean, yes, he still has games. He goes 0 for 3, 0 for 5 from 3, but the encouragement that he gets from his teammates and the system that he's in with Coach bud they're telling him to shoot the ball. They're getting him good looks uh, from 3, and he's working his butt off at it, and you can see. I mean, it really is. It's It's been incredible this season to see him shoot the three ball and have games where, you know, he goes three for five and the defense has to come out there and guard him. It changes the whole offense for the Milwaukee Bucks. And so, you know, I think Giannis is a guy who has a motor and a work ethic and a drive that is so unique that there's just, it just seems that there's really nothing he's not going to be able to master that he puts his mind to. And it's clear at this point, shooting, you know, knocking down free throws and knocking down those threes is something that's important to him. So I I do, I fully expect this guy to be, you know, right there at the, at, at the midpoint of the pack in the NBA shooting the three ball within the next two years.
0: All right, so one broad question more on the group here. I think we've seen this team all season long and, and last season to an extent as well. I mean, the defense, historically great. Uh, we, we know they have the MVP players, about to be a back-to-back MVP in Giannis. I think we know what to expect from him. And if this Bucks team plays up to the standard that we've seen through the regular season, I, I think there's a very likely chance that they could win the title. But we're heading into, obviously, a pretty uncertain postseason here. We don't know what is going to happen, what could happen. But if you, if you consider that everything goes well and everyone is healthy, what could be the downfall for this team? And I know this is a pretty, pretty broad question to throw at you, but if you just look at this team and, and your first thoughts of what could concern you, whether it's based on what we saw in the postseason last year or in some games this year, what do they have to
1: be wary of? You know, like you're alluding to, this team—they—they the, have put themselves in a heck of a spot. I mean, they're—they're they're the number one team in the league, and this is before coronavirus hit. They're the number one defense in the league. They're scoring the most points in the league. They've got the best record in the league. And so, first and foremost, I would say they've not been given the the respect that that they deserve. Uh, and I find call me biased because I live in Milwaukee and I broadcast for the Milwaukee Bucks, but I'm just saying, data-driven, statistical back. I mean, this team, like you just said, likely to have the back-to-back MVP. He could also be Defensive Player of the Year, in my opinion. Brooke Lopez could be the Defensive Player of the Year. And so, in my opinion, this is a team that uh, has has just not been given the respect that they deserve. I do think they're you know, every ounce uh, deserving of being talked about as the absolute favorites. And I continue to hear Lakers and Clippers, Lakers and Clippers. Um, but I don't think that, and I think the reason that, they continue to improve and they continue to get better is coach bud. I feel like the messaging in the locker room with a leader like Giannis has been consistent from day one. It's get better every single day. And it's not worry about, you know, what are other teams doing that are going to cause our downfall. It continues to be, how can we get better? What are we doing today to improve ourselves? And I think that there is the understanding that coach bud and his staff looks at, look, these are the matchups we might face. These are the guys that have given us trouble in the past. And we're going to give you guys direction offensively, defensively, even just the shots that we want you guys, you know, working on in your daily vitamins to get better. And there seems to be a, just a uniform clarity with this team that they worry about themselves. They are not you know, worried about what other teams are doing or who's a threat. And it seems to be a beautiful thing at this point. And so, you know, do they have flaws? Do they give up a lot of threes sometimes? Yes. Has that been basically one of the statistics that shows when they lose a game, what's the number that stands out? It's they gave up a lot of threes, a lot of made threes. And so to me, that's the only glaring statistic that's out there in terms of the games they've lost, what's kind of a common denominator. But I, I also don't think that that is not by design. I think that there's an understanding that if a team is going to beat you in a seven game series and the way that they're going to need to do it is to, make more threes than the number one scoring team with uh, one of the best three-point shooting teams, Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, the the team has got to beat you four times, basically beating you at your own game, I think is also, um, you know, by design. And so, uh, you know, that is, that has been, that would be the one thing I would say is that's the common thread in a lot of the games that they've lost this season is they've given up too many threes. But in order to lose in a playoff series, that's different than losing one game.
0: Friday night against the Celtics, it all gets restarted. 5.30 Central time tip, I think that is. I did ask you this before we started recording, but for the listeners' benefit, we've been lucky enough to catch Jim and Zora doing a little bit of play-by-play over the scrimmages as well, which has been pretty fun. And I, I think, you know, for most fans, just from what I'm seeing on Twitter, it's just good to, to hear the familiar voices again and, and see the Bucks play. But the, we're going to see you, right? You are going to be involved in this uh, Fox Sports
1: Wisconsin coverage? I will be. I will be. I'm looking very forward to it. I'll be on with pre and post game with Craig Deshaun. My guy, Craig, I miss him. I can't wait to be <laughs> back. I'm, even if we have to sit six feet apart, I can't wait to be, to be back at it. And you're right, Jim and, and Zora have been so fun to listen to. It's, uh, the truth is I haven't even heard their voices as much anymore. And so <laughs> it's fun to hear Zora out there with Jim and she's doing a fantastic job. And I'll actually be jumping in with Marcus and, uh, and Jim. We'll be doing a three-man booth for a few of the games as well just to mix things up and, and have some fun. So I'm looking forward to it, and I think everybody out there that's a Bucks fan is kind of chomping at the bit to, to see the Bucks on the floor again.
0: Well, uh, I really appreciate you coming on here. I know it's pretty light over there in milwaukee so i definitely appreciate you taking the time and i must admit uh, it's kind of it does still feel a little bit strange to be talking about the current basketball after so many months of not doing that and if we had more time i mean i could probably pick your brain about your own career i'd love to do that at some point as well rather than uh, just talk about the current day box but uh no i really appreciate you taking the time to come on
1: uh it's my pleasure can't wait for hoops to be back and it is strange i mean the season was supposed to be over <laughs> well over a <laughs> A month and a half ago, but hey, whatever it takes to finish this season, I'm, I'm happy that the Milwaukee Bucks are going to get a shot at, at winning a ring.
0: Well, that's Steve Novak. You all know him from playing also with the Bucks. This is what we're going to get to. We're going to get to that at some point. Uh, he finished off his career in Milwaukee, and now uh, we hear him on a daily basis with Fox Sports Wisconsin, which is a lot of fun. Looking forward to the game on Friday night. We've still got a couple of shows to go before that game, so we'll talk about the Celtics a little bit in the coming days. But for Steve Novak and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll speak to you guys tomorrow.